Hello there, Merry Christmas, and welcome to Let's Get Sexy, the podcast where I read an erotic story and you listen to it. You've joined us for episode two of this special festive season of the podcast, where I'm reading four different stories in four weeks, all of them Christmas-themed stories. Last week we had a story about Good King Wenceslas, sort of loosely based on the popular Christmas carol. I say loosely, I mean really the only similarity was that the character was named Good King Wenceslas. But it was a good one, so if you missed it, then I encourage you to go back and listen to it. This week I'm going to be reading a story called Early Christmas Present by an author called Fairy Cakes. It's another story that was written in 2005. It's a shorter story than last week's, which was quite a long one. Early Christmas Present has 3,000 words. It's got a rating of 4.04 stars. It's had 96.9 thousand views, 6 likes, and there are 5 comments. If you've listened before, then you'll know that I don't read the stories ahead of time. Part of the fun for me is reading a story out loud and not knowing where it's going to go. So it is a bit of a lucky dip. This might be a good story. It might not be. But so far, my instincts have been pretty good, I'd say. But there'll be plenty of time for analysis in the second part of the podcast. For now, I hope you'll enjoy Early Christmas Present. Subtitle, She Surprises Him With Something New. The winter's here to stay, Santa's on his way, he's coming on his sleigh, can you hear the angels say, let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas, let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. I groan as the doorbell peals out, waking me from the deeper sleep I've indulged in for a long time. I ignore it, hoping that whoever it is, postman probably, will give up and go away. Luckily for me, they do, but by the time I hear heavy footsteps crunching back over the frosty gravel, it's too late. I'm wide awake, and suddenly very aware of the empty space next to me in our bed. The glaring red of the digital clock tattoos the number 1232 against my bleary eyelids, and you've long left for work. Damn, it's my day off, one of the days I've set aside for Christmas shopping, and you didn't wake me. You knew I wanted to be in the shops by nine, but half the day is wasted already. It's tempting to just curl up and go back to sleep. The heavy curtains eradicate the need to worry about what time of day it is, or what the weather's like. I'm gloriously warm and comfortable. The smooth, crisp sheets have settled so perfectly over my naked skin that they feel like an extension of my body, and I'd be more than happy just to lay drifting in and out of sleep, revelling in the delicious memories from last night. Just remembering yesterday evening sends shivers down my spine, all of which end up settling in the one place to which you gave so much attention for so many hours. The memory of your tongue and your fingers caressing, stroking, teasing me to orgasm after delicious orgasm is enough to make me squirm. I can imagine how difficult it must have been for you to leave me sleeping this morning. I picture you waking up, 
perhaps lifting the covers slightly and letting your eyes trail over my naked body, unknowingly open to your gaze, lingering on my sleeping mouth, maybe watching as I unconsciously lick my lips, deep in a dream of you. Maybe you kissed me before getting out of bed and settling the covers once more over me. I'm sure you watched me as you picked up our clothes that had been strewn over the carpet, kept watching as you dressed for work. I know I wouldn't have had the same self-control. I wouldn't have let you sleep. I close my eyes and imagine you're there, watching me now, instead of sitting at your desk, probably tired and bored. I kick the covers off, exposing my body to the cool air, and, in my mind, to your eyes. I stretch my neck, tracing a finger down over the arched column of my creamy throat, imagining it's a trail of your kisses. I cup my breasts, rubbing my fingertips softly over the nipples that are already hard for you, desperate for the heat of your mouth. I moan gently as I caress them, tugging slightly at them, making them even harder for you, rolling them between my fingers. My hips rock slightly, and my breathing gets heavier, imagining you watching me, your hard cock in your hand, picturing you stroking it over my naked body. Almost unconsciously, my legs have fallen apart, and one hand now slowly reaches down, slipping over my stomach, over the small strip of soft hair, probing, parting my smooth lips my finger feeling just how wet I am at the thought of you, finding my clit and circling it softly. I'm still imagining you watching, your hand moving faster over your cock as I open my legs wider to allow you a perfect view of my glistening wet pussy as my fingers stroke over it, rubbing my clit, making me moan. Suddenly I become still as a thought hits me. What if you could see this? It's about time I gave you an early Christmas present. After all, I've been demanding them from you ever since November. Forgetting for a moment my fingers arching pursuit of pleasure, I jump up from the bed, kneel on the floor and reach under it, groping around in the dark. Finally I find it, a large plastic bag, containing something I've been saving for a special occasion. I get back onto the bed, shaking the dust from the bag and pull out its contents. A tiny little skirt, white blouse and white knee-length socks and a tie. Finally, after all your begging, hinting and wheedling, I bought myself a schoolgirl outfit. I was going to wrap it up and let you open it on Christmas Day, but I'm feeling generous. I'm grinning as I get dressed, the white cotton knickers and the matching bra sliding over my soft skin. The skirt is minuscule, barely covering the knickers, and the white socks give it just the right edge. I can't believe how little the blouse conceals. It ties at the front, and most of my little white bra is on show. If I look carefully, as I know you'll be doing, I can just make out the dark circles of my nipples. I fasten my hair in pigtails and put on some shiny black shoes I've been saving for the occasion. All these preparations have made me even hornier, and my pussy is so wet and aching I'm desperate to give it some attention. I lay back on the floor where I can see myself in the mirror on the wall, my legs spread. I feel sexy, slutty, and this only serves to get me wetter, so that when I slip my hand inside my little white knickers, my finger slides inside me with ease. But that's not what I'm meant to be doing now. I reluctantly pull my hand away, and licking my finger clean, I reach into the drawer for my digital camera. After all, this whole idea was sparked by my desire that you could see me now. I've never taken pictures of myself like this before, and it takes a few tries to get the angles right, but soon I'm into it, posing, enjoying the effect of the dappled winter light on my porcelain skin. I don't take any of my whole body, instead choosing to focus on individual portions. I know you'll have fun looking at them all working out slowly that a red flash of plaid here, or of white stocking there, all add up together to make that schoolgirl's outfit you've been so desperate to see me in. It's much better this way, letting you work it out from a few illicit glimpses, rather than giving you the whole thing up front. 
I wish I could see your face when the realisation hits, but unfortunately that's not possible, so I settle for the next best thing. I dial the phone and prop it under my ear as I attach the pictures to an email, the mouse pointer hovering over the send button. Soon I hear the click as you pick up, coupled with the low sounds of a radio in the background. Hello? Hey honey, I croon, feeling flirty, swinging from side to side in the office chair. Emily, how's it going? I can hear you sitting back, pushing aside whatever you were working on, glad to hear my voice. Actually, I didn't go. Woke up too late, I inform you flippantly. Oh, that's a wasted day, you say. Hmm, I reply. I know you can hear the smile that I can't keep from my curling lips, and there's a short pause. You sound weird, you say. Oh, do I? I reply. Yes, you confirm, as I giggle, waiting for you to work it out. I know how well you know my voice. You've been doing stuff, you say. I giggle again at the childish euphemism. Oh, what makes you think that? I tease. I can hear it in your voice, you naughty little slut. Oh, I take it you're on your own then? No, the whole company's crowded round my desk. I've got you on speakerphone. They all think you're a slut too. Oi, be nice, or you won't get your present. There we go. I can hear your mind working. Curious. Christmas isn't for a week, hon, you remind me. Yeah, but I was going to give you an early present today. I thought you didn't go shopping. I didn't. This one's homemade. What? Did you bake? Stop ruining it. You know very well what it is. I've got an idea. But I'm at work, darling. It's not as if you can give it to me here. My smile widens, and slowly I click the send button. Check your email. I instruct you, finding it difficult to keep the excitement out of my voice. Talk to you later. Bye. I'm shaking slightly when I put the phone down. I've never done anything like this before, and I can't be sure how you'll react. There's one thing I am sure of, though, and that's that you'll phone back. So when the phone rings in my hand, I'm quick to answer it. Hey, you, I say. Hello, you. I giggle nervously. Do you like it? I don't recognise that skirt. That's because you haven't seen it before. At least, not on me. You're beautiful, you say softly, and I can hear the sincerity in your voice. You're wearing that right now? The outfit? Uh-huh. Are you imagining? You know I am. Does it look good? Do you even have to ask? We share another little laugh before I put on a serious voice. But I was actually phoning to tell you I've been a very naughty girl recently. I've had lots of detentions, and now I've been sent to the headmaster's office to be disciplined. I hear your sharp intake of breath, which gives me the courage I need to continue. I'm not normally this confident. He's not here at the moment, but I'll be waiting for him. I'm really worried about getting into trouble, I continue, and I'll do anything if he'll let me off the hook. It's a little obvious, I know, and even as I'm saying it, I feel like my words would fit better in a cheap porno, but they seem to be doing the trick. When you speak, your voice is slightly raspy, an immediate indication of your arousal. I think I may have to get suddenly and mysteriously ill this afternoon, you gasp out. Really? I ask. One afternoon won't hurt. I'll be home in half an hour. I'll be waiting. In the headmaster's office, obviously. I can hear your smile. God, I love you. And I love you too, sir. We hang up, and I sit back in my chair, shaking slightly. I can't believe what I'm doing, but just hearing the excitement in your voice made it all worthwhile. I can't wait to see your reaction when you see me. It'll be difficult to stay in character. Knowing you'll be home soon, I set about tidying up the study, placing a chair in front of the desk for me, in the true head teacher's office style, facing you. 
At the last minute, I run to our bathroom and search through a drawer, finally coming up with something I've just remembered. My old prefect's badge from my school days. A little yellow shield, which I pin to my blouse. I know you'll appreciate the touch. When you get home, a mere twenty minutes after our call, I'm already waiting in the study, sitting in the chair facing the desk. I've got a lollipop in my mouth for good measure, and with the pigtails and prefect's badge, I look every inch the little schoolgirl. I try to keep from smiling as you enter the room, still in your suit. Stand up when I enter a room, Emily. You're hardly in a position to be forgetting your manners from what your teachers have been telling me. I jerk to my feet, surprised that you're already so much in character. I watch as you circle me, taking it all in. The short skirt, under which you can catch a glimpse of my white underwear. The blouse that exposes my soft tummy and a large portion of firm cleavage. The high heels and white socks, accentuating my legs. I catch your eye, and we both smile, slightly embarrassed, before you move to sit down. So, you've been in detention a lot, Miss Jones, you say sternly. Yes, sir, I'm sorry, sir, I reply meekly, hanging my head. I must say, your conduct around the school leaves much to be desired. I see you flirting with the boys when you should be in class, and that skirt is far too short. I'm sorry, sir, I repeat, my lip trembling slightly. Even though I know you're only acting, having you yell at me like that provokes a real reaction. You look like a slut, Miss Jones. I can see your knickers, and I can see your bra. Are you a slut, young lady? Yes, sir, I admit. You know we have to punish naughty little slut girls, don't you? Come here and stand in front of my desk. I move to your desk, knowing what's coming. You get up and come round to me, and with your hands on my shoulders, force me over. And now I'm bent over your desk, my short skirt exposing the very tops of my thighs and some of my ass, my breasts pressed against the cool wood. You lean over me, your hand in my hair, whispering into my ear. Little sluts like you deserve to be punished. You deserve to be spanked. The words send a shiver over my body, and I manage to murmur my assent as your hand caresses my ass. Suddenly you bring it down, spanking me in one hard, fluid motion. I gasp, feeling the sudden pain, but also the pleasure the punishment gives me. I can hear from your breathing that you're as aroused as I am as you spank me again, causing me to cry out and jerk forward slightly. Oh, you like that, don't you, you slut, you whisper, and I can only nod wordlessly, unconsciously thrusting my hips backwards, presenting myself more fully to you. But these little knickers of yours are getting in the way, Miss Jones. Take them off for me. Your tone is so beautifully commanding, I couldn't disobey if I wanted to. Turning around, I let you watch me as I slide the underwear slowly off my hips and down my legs, kicking them under your chair. The skirt is so short, you catch glimpses of my pussy as I move, and when I turn back around and bend once more over the desk, my ass is almost completely exposed to you. As would be expected, it hurts much more when you spank my bare skin, but the pleasure too is intensified, and I can't help but moan softly. You spank me a few more times before pulling me forcefully up by the shoulders and spinning me around to face you. When you kiss me roughly, I think you've forgotten your role and respond eagerly to the familiar sensation, my lover's tongue grazing mine. However, you bite down hard on my bottom lip and pull back, looking at me. You even kiss like a slut, you tell me, and the harshness of your tone turns me on even more. Get on the desk, you demand. I pull myself up onto the desk, sitting on the edge facing you. The wood is cold against my bare ass, and my legs are clamped together, hiding the evidence of my extreme arousal. Open your legs, young lady, you command, and I obey, parting them, exposing myself to your gaze, the moisture coating my smooth pink pussy, so wet for you, so turned on. 
I can see how hard your cock is inside your trousers, and automatically I begin to reach out for it before pulling my hand back, remembering my role. You pretend not to notice, leaning forward and pulling my blouse open. I know how much you love my breasts, and I arch my back for you, thrusting them forward, my nipples hard through the thin fabric of my bra, moaning softly as your hands cup them. You kiss me again, and I respond even more this time, my arms circling your neck, pulling you into me, closer, my legs finding your waist and clamping around it. I can feel your hard cock through your trousers, rubbing directly against my painfully wet pussy. We both moan as I fumble to undo your trousers, my legs holding you close to me. You reach down to help me, pushing off your trousers and boxers, releasing your beautiful cock into my eager hands. Mmm, you're such a good girl, such a naughty slut, you moan, as I grip your cock, stroking it up and down, rubbing it in the wetness of my pussy. I whimper, trying to move closer to you, feeling you hold your hips back from me, wanting you inside me, desperately needing to feel you slide deep into me. Do you want it? You whisper, your breath hot against my neck. Do you want my big hard cock in your tight little cunt, you slut? Do you? Yes, sir, I gasp, whimpering more loudly, my hips rocking against you. Beg me, you insist, eliciting a long moan from my lips. Please, sir, I know exactly what you want to hear. Please, sir, fuck me, please fuck me, I'm so wet for you. Finally, you can take it no longer, and thrust into me, hard and fast, pushing the whole length of your big cock into my waiting pussy. I lean back, resting my weight on my hands as you take me over and over, fucking me harder than ever before, using me for your pleasure. I cry out as you reach down and start to rub my clit, circling it, stroking it from side to side, knowing exactly what I want. I scream out as I come, harder than I have in a long time, and you grab me and kiss me hard as your orgasm joins mine, my legs clamped around you, our lips pressed together. Afterwards, you carry me to the chair, sitting down with me in your lap. Neither of us can quite speak, but you stroke my cheek as I rest my head happily on your shoulder. Even now I can see your eyes moving over the schoolgirl outfit, now wrinkled and undone, and I know we'll have a lot of fun with it in the future. The End The winter's here to stay Santa's on his way He's coming on his sleigh Can you hear the angels say Let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas. Let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. Ho, 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 Merry Christmas. Okay, well, I actually thought that was quite a sexy story. I think that's actually probably one of the better written stories we've had featured on the podcast. And in a way, it reminded me of Lesbian Slave Island in that a lot of it was just in the build-up. It was quite a sensual story. And it was focused much more on the emotions that the character's feeling than on the physical sexual acts. And similarly to Lesbian Slave Island, we were sort of in the head of the main character, of, of the character of the wife. Neither of the characters had names in this story. I imagine that's so that as a reader, you can just imagine that it's you in that scenario. And I guess writing in that way does bring a kind of immediacy to the story, where we're not really distracted much by who the characters are in any detail. They're just a husband and a wife, and really that's all we need to know about them as characters. It's a man and a woman. Whereas in most of the other stories, the characters in those stories have had real personalities, 
or at least they've had something approaching a real personality. <laughs> they've been much more than just these symbolic figures representing male and female in the scenario. And I think even very one-dimensional characters like Bam Barkley from Death is a Beautiful Blonde at least had a sort of outline of three-dimensionality to him. And even though I felt the women in Death is a Beautiful Blonde were pretty hard done by, they did at least all have a name and a few lines of basic character description. Despite that, though, I think that this story was a much more sensitive and, as a result, a more enjoyable story to read. Although I will say that I do find the schoolgirl fantasy, just as a concept, a bit weird in some ways. I can almost understand it from her perspective. You know, I think if it was her fantasy, then most people have had a crush on a teacher at some point while they're at school. And there's a sort of tension and excitement in knowing that they're unattainable. So I can see how breaking that taboo and getting the thing that you're not supposed to be able to have is one of the important erotic elements to that fantasy. I think there's also the power dynamic element to it. And it's a fantasy where there are very clear, dominant and submissive roles. And that's obviously a factor. What I don't understand as much is the fantasy from the husband's perspective. And this is his fantasy, remember. This is the thing that he wants to do. And to me, there's something a bit uncomfortable about it. Maybe I would feel a bit less weird about the husband's schoolgirl fantasy if he was also role-playing as a schoolboy, and the fantasy was about recreating the excitement and passion of maybe like a formative sexual experience where everything is new and sort of very intense, I guess in the way that it was for the characters in Wings of Grey, for example, where they're having a sort of hyper-real high school romance type relationship. I could maybe understand it from that perspective a little more easily, but that his role is as the head teacher, it just hits a little bit differently for me. And I think it's the same thing that bugs me about a lot of the kinks in the stories that I read on this podcast. It's that it feels a little bit on the nose, a bit close to the bone. And that the reality of the situation which the fantasy is emulating is one which actually does sometimes happen, although probably quite rarely. But when it does, it causes extreme harm to the victims. And even though in this story it's being presented as a sexy thing to happen, and it's quite light-hearted and tongue-in-cheek, the reality of it is just something that's so sad. It really upends communities, and it damages trust in educators who are some of the few adults in a child's life that they really should be able to trust. The pervy school teacher is a bit of an unfair stereotype, and it's being played up in this story, but it's one which a lot of people buy into, despite the reality that the vast, vast majority of teachers are people who care enormously about the well-being of students, and they work really hard to do their job. And increasingly, a large part of that job is actually to do with safeguarding children from abuse that they might face outside of school. So there is something that's a bit hard to enjoy about the premise of this fantasy for me, and having said that, I also want to say that I, I get that what happens between consenting adults in the privacy of their own homes, it's up to them. And I wouldn't want to shame anyone away from exploring a fantasy that appeals to them. I also think it's fine for this fantasy to feature in a story which exists in the public domain. I'm not about condemning a schoolgirl fantasy, absolutely. All I'm saying is that for me as an individual, it just feels problematic. I guess in a nutshell, it sort of feels like the husband is getting off on being a bit of a pedo. Another small moment which gave me some pause for thought, 
was when the wife is alone in the house and she catches herself absentmindedly masturbating and she decides to stop because she wants to save herself for when her husband comes home. So she pulls her hand away from her vagina and then she licks her fingers clean. And I was thinking, really? Does anyone outside of pornography actually do this? And maybe there are some people who would do it in a sort of performative way because they think their partner might find it sexy and almost part of a sort of role play. But to do it when you're just on your own, (laughs) it's an impulse that I've never had to put my hands in my mouth immediately after touching my genitals. (laughs) It just didn't ring true when I was reading it. The other issue I have with this story is, would you really leave work early and lie to your colleagues and to your boss that you were suddenly unwell just to go home and have sex with your wife? I think that feels like a bit of a leap. Because there's a lot of things at play in most workplaces. And when somebody calls in sick in the morning, that can cause a few ripples. But definitely even more so when somebody leaves halfway through the day. It's not an easy thing to pull off. You can't just get up and leave. Like even when you're genuinely feeling a bit poorly, let alone if you're faking it. You've got to have your excuses ready. You've got to find the right people. You've got to tell them. And you've got to sell it in a way which is believable enough that it's not worth anyone's time to officially question it. Like people might have their suspicions sure. And they definitely will if you've been chirpy all morning and then suddenly you're too ill to work. It's the sort of thing that you might even have to call in a few favours for. Maybe you've got to get somebody to cover for you. And all that seems like a lot of work. (laughs) And some potentially big stakes to get home probably only three or four hours earlier to have sex with the wife. (laughs) It's a non-trivial amount of effort. And I sort of feel like if the tables were turned and it was the husband calling up the wife while she was at work to ask her to come back to sexually gratify him, that we'd be looking at this scenario in a very different way. I wonder what her reaction would have been if he'd asked her to wait until 5.30. Do you think she would have got the hump? Would she have decided to put the outfit away and just rub one out by herself? Or maybe the wait creates even more suspense and sexual tension, and she has to spend the whole day wearing the uniform, just crossing her legs and trying not to think about what's going to happen when he gets home. I guess the fantasy, though, is that she's too sexy. He just can't wait, and so he's willing to risk maybe losing his career just to get home and have a piece of that sweet wife-schoolgirl ass. (laughs) Nobody said fantasies have to be realistic. And as I said before, I thought it was a good story. Let's have a look at what some of the people who read it at the time thought, though. Let's go down amidst the comments. There are five of them. The first one, 18 years ago, is from Anonymous. They say, well done, fairy cakes. This ought to be a winner. Cute, sexy, and done with a sense of humour. Thank you, from Ronnie W. Oh, so it wasn't Anonymous. They left their name at the end. They just didn't log in to leave that comment. Yes, I mentioned it last week. There is annually a competition on Literotica.com to submit Christmas-themed stories. And so I guess this one was entered into the competition. Unfortunately, not a winner. Uh, Doesn't have the competition winner's badge, but clearly a winner in the eyes of Ronnie W. A comment from GRTGuy, I-N-T-X. That's a bit of a mouthful of a username. Says, great story, all caps. Another real loving wife, all caps, story. (laughs) They've used a lot of unnecessary capital letters in their comments, so you can tell that they really mean what they say. Another anonymous comment, again from 18 years ago, says, Yay, fairy cakes, wonderful, an amazing loving wife. You are most definitely the most loving wife I could ever personally want. Blob. 
So maybe that's actually from Fairy Cakes' real husband. And that's nice, isn't it, that he's taken an interest in her erotic fiction? I wonder if this story is based on a real-life scenario. Maybe it's not erotic fiction. Maybe it's erotic fact. We'll never know. It's 18 years ago. Can't get in touch with this anonymous commenter in 2023 to find out. 16 years ago, a couple of years after that, another anonymous commenter says, Oh, so fantastic. And they've done four exclamation marks. Three too many, in my opinion. They go on to say, This is so realistic and tantalising. Damn, I wish my wife would do that for me. Thank you. Well, there's only one way to get that to happen, and that's to ask for it. And that's one of the things that happens in this story. You know, the wife only knew that her husband liked the schoolgirl fantasy because he'd mentioned it. He had, how does she put it? <laughs> Begging, hinting, and wheedling. <laughs> so there you go. That's your answer, Anonymous. You've got to get in there and do some wheedling. And if you wheedle hard enough, you might just find that this year, your wife has got an early Christmas present for you. The most recent comment is again from an anonymous, a cowardly anonymous in this case, because their post is a critical one. They say, a lot of half-witted crap, exclamation mark, one of the worst, full stop. <laughs> I don't really know what to say to that. I don't get what they mean. And I don't think it was half-witted. I thought it was well-written. And my instinct is that actually this commenter was maybe just a little bit upset that the story wasn't as hardcore as they would like. Not every story can be wall-to-wall -wall fucking, and even when you get a story like that, as we learned during our time with Detective Bam Barkley, it's not always as satisfying as you might think. So there we go. I hope that you enjoyed this story. If you did, then feel free to head over to literotica.com, and in fact I encourage you to do so, and check out Fairy Cakes as an author. They're not hugely prolific, They've only got two stories on their profile. There's this one, and there's another story which is, again, about a loving wife. So if you want to read that, then you can head over to literotica.com and search for Fairy Cakes as an author. If you do, then I urge you to leave a five-star review, a supportive comment, and like the story. It's always good to show appreciation for the authors who write these stories out of the goodness of their own hearts. What could be more Christmassy than that? If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please like, subscribe, rate it, engage in whatever ways you can. I think some platforms let you do different things. Some of them let you do a little review. Others, it's a like. Others, it's a rating system out of five. So whichever platform you listen on, it would marginally help me out if you could give it a like or five stars. More importantly, if you know somebody who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it with them, maybe as a Christmas gift. Maybe your workplace has a secret Santa and the person you've drawn is somebody that you've got nothing in common with. Well, we've all got genitalia, haven't we? That's the one thing we've all got in common. And while you definitely could be putting your career on the line by suggesting a definitely not safe for work podcast in a work environment, there's a very slim chance that they might love the podcast. And from that day forward, you'll become best friends. So it's risk and reward. Anyway, thank you for listening to the podcast. I'll be back next week with another Christmas-themed story. I hope you have a festive and peaceful week. Until next time, goodbye. The winter's here to stay. Santa's on his way. He's coming on his sleigh. Can you hear the angels say? Let's get sexy. Come on, it's Christmas. Let's get sexy. You don't want to miss this. Oh, yeah.
Christmas episode. Like and subscribe and then download a festive tale of Christmas cheer. A sexy way to end the year. Let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas. Let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. Let's get sexy, come on, it's Christmas. Let's get sexy, you don't want to miss this. Oh, you like that, don't you? Oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs>